0: welcome 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 it's the mad monster podcast i'm your host sergeant horror hope everybody is doing great we got on the podcast today drew Fortier. how's everything going today drew
1: uh doing good man just uh you know wrapping up uh the, the editing dwellers and all that and just uh just uh you know, enjoying the pandemic
0: <laughs> it's funny when you say that uh A lot of people that I know that are creative types, they've either gone into shutdown during the pandemic and not creating nothing, or they're like just using it as an inspiration and creating lots of product. How has that been for you? Have you been creating more or less things?
1: Uh, Probably more, as I uh, ended up doing a a book, a movie, and an album. (laughs) <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't beat
0: that a book, a movie, and an album. <laughs> and for those people that might not know you, uh, you're known works with uh, Bango Tango, uh, David elphinson from a, a little heavy metal band called Megadeth. I think some mm-hmm. people might recognize that name. Oh, yeah. um, what's some of the other things? Because you named some stuff, and I admittedly, this is one of the things that, People give me crap about it, is I'm not a heavy metal guy. I listen to some heavy metal, but like my playlist is like I must have multi personality disorder because <laughs> I got everything from heavy metal to the Grateful Dead to trap music.
1: Oh, I, I'm the same way, man. I mean, uh, like I think we were talking about '90s hip hop before, and I love like Crucial Conflict and Warren G and all that. And and uh, but uh, I, I, as for uh, well, the stuff I've done, I um, I, I, just, I did a documentary on uh, this band, Bang Tango. They were big on MTV in like the early 90s, and um, <clears throat> I uh, that, that took like four years to make. I had no clue what I was doing. I actually met them at a bar. I had a camera in my hand, and they're like, hey, you want to do a documentary? I'm like, all right, and I got roped into that whole thing. The whole story is ridiculous. And that uh, I, I got that uh, D. Snyder to do the opening narration, and uh, I, it's uh, and it, it, it came out really cool. Everybody seemed to really, really enjoy it. And how did right you here. get How did you get D. Snyder? I, I to be honest with you, I just uh, I emailed his management. I was like, because I, I was like, I had this like narration written out, and I'd be like, who should I get to do this? Like, top choices were like D. Snyder and Henry Rollins, and I was like, let's email them both, and uh, and they both got back to me. Uh, Rollins was like. Uh, he, he, he wasn't, he, he's not a real, know much about Bang Tango, which is understandable, but he was still cool about it, still wanted to see the movie, and D Snyder his management uh, was like, uh, yeah, talk to D he'll do it, no problem. I'm like, what? And then, so I uh, emailed him the, 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 the script for it, and then he uh, ended up doing his own twist and putting put on his own two cents, and uh, he'd stop and make his own comments, and I kept that in the in the movie, too, and it's hysterical. And uh, it's, it really, it sets the tone perfectly because it's like, bang, tango. They were like a Guns N' Roses ripoff, you know. So it's awesome. And then, uh, and I finished, uh, yeah, no clue. I ended up with 400 hours of footage. Didn't know how to log footage or anything. It was brand new edit. I thought somebody else was going to edit it. I just kept on shooting and shooting and shooting. And then, uh, but they really just let me do whatever I wanted to do. And they, they were, that was the... The, the, the then current band, which there's only one, one original guy left, uh, the singer, it's Joe Lestay, and then the, that's its own faction. Then you got all the original guys from the original albums and all that. Then there's so it's just two different factions of Bang Tango, and they've had like 30 members in between, you know. And so it was very interesting, the, the just the whole story of the band and all that, how they were so promising, and then you know they were getting big, and then it went boop, like uh, like a lot of the bands uh, around the, at that time in the early '90s. And, yeah,
0: um, I've, I've I've got friends that were in bands in the early '90s, and now that it's kind of like a hobby thing that they get together still and kind of jam out in the garage. Type oh, that's
1: awesome. <laughs> well, that's awesome! That's awesome! Oh, that's that that's great. And then um, and then uh, I, I did one screening of the movie in Chicago. You know, they were that, that that's where I'm from, and um, and I, I made the band was on tour the the then current lineup, uh, and uh, I made sure they were there. the, the singer Joe. He, he didn't see the movie, and uh, it, it's a very brutally, brutally honest documentary. Like, he, by the end of it, you either love him or hate him, you know? Uh, and, uh, and so I made sure to sit close to him while we're watching it, and it gets really heated, like with the interviews, like, you know, as, as the movie progresses. And at one point, as he's saying something on screen, he stands up while watching it, points at the screen, and goes, Hey, I didn't say that as he's saying it. It was hysterical. And, uh, and then, uh, and then two days later, I ended up joining the band. <laughs> you joined the band. Yep, I was. I played guitar for them for a couple of years, and uh, it was as they uh, they had me. They were originally a two guitar player band, and they were down to one guitarist at that point. And uh, it was uh, Rowan Robertson who played for Dio, and uh, Rowan's uh, a wonderful human being. And you know, I always got along with the Pink Tango guys. And, and uh, the day after the screening, they were playing a show in Chicago, and they just they had me sit in for the show because you know I, I knew the songs and all that, and then. It was fun. It was like the perfect like, bookend for the, the whole Bang Tango experience, <laughs> and uh, and then uh, two days later, I get a call from Jill the singer, and he's like, "Hey man, uh, how'd you feel about uh, playing in front of twenty thousand people at the M3 festival in Maryland tomorrow?" And I was like, "I'm renting a car right now. I'm on my way." And, uh, and then I, I drove out to Maryland from Chicago, and and uh, sure enough, this is, M3 is like this big uh, like. A, Rock festival in uh, in Maryland, and they they had like uh, Dachin and and uh, White Snake and all that uh, playing. And uh, sure enough, we played in front of like like it was like twenty thousand people. And, and I was with them uh, for about uh, two or three years, and they, they had an incredible time. And That's actually how I met David Ellison uh, uh, Believe it or not, and all just stems from all all the, all the crazy random stuff I've ever done stems from just me being at a bar with a camera in my hand, and Bane Tingle happened to walk up and be like, "Hey, you want to do a documentary?" It's ridiculous. And, um, and we played uh, Rocklahoma in uh, 2016, and uh, we were on the main stage with Zuss, uh, uh, 6AM, Megadeth, Rob Zombie, and Disturbed. And, uh, and uh, Ellison and I had a mutual friend and uh, Tom Hazard, who runs all of his uh, businesses, and I saw Ellison backstage, and we just hit it off. And I started doing some work for his label and all that, and that led to me actually uh, playing guitar for uh, Chuck Mosley from Faith No More. Oh, he ended up uh, uh, passing away. Uh, but I, I played guitar for him, became really close, and loosely working on a documentary in his life too, because he was the singer of Faith No More before they got huge and had uh, the the hits and all that and everything. But he they they, they uh, he did two albums with them, and the, their big hit with him was uh, "We Care a Lot," which was the uh, theme song for uh, for uh, the TV show Dirty Jobs. And, uh, and then, I, I, uh, what else did I do? I, I, I'm going off on a tangent. I
0: apologize. <laughs> no, nah, I think it's, it's pretty cool. And I think it's funny because even now, even more now than back then, you, you heard the saying uh, six degrees of separation with, of Kevin Bacon. And yeah. And now it's like I see so many people on social media and it's like, you're almost like two degrees of separation from everybody when it comes to the entertainment industry. When you make films, write books, play music, and things like that. Oh, and, absolutely!
1: The, and one thing I, I love doing too is helping make the world smaller. Like, uh, like, uh, like just uh, I, I just I, I love helping like connecting people. You know, that, that's like my thing. I I really, really, really enjoy doing that.
0: Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned Henry Rollins. Uh, I walk. I went and saw him a couple of years back he came to north carolina for showing his his photography and he had a great i guess he you know throughout his travels he's you know took pictures and explored the off the beaten path things and it was a really great performance but it it, it, it was kind of like he made a comment on there like I've done some really crappy horror movies, and I was like, "Yes, you
1: have." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in uh, what was he in uh Feast? He was in Feast, and uh, he was in another one. He never had, dies or something, or yeah, sh- yeah, Is that the one where it's like the the bank heist? No, I think
0: that I forget what that one was. Something like he's a vampire or some crap like that. That
1: had one amazing moment. I remember the movie was like just awful, but he's like what was it there's a bank heist going on and, and Henry Rollins is just a random serial killer that's like climbing through the the, the the ceiling and all that and is randomly killing people there's one hysterical moment out of nowhere he just falls down from the ceiling and, and stands up and just kills somebody it, it was hysterical it's like in the middle of a scene it's just Henry Rollins falls out of a ceiling and, and stands up and kills somebody was, and then was,
0: Henry did um, he did the wrong one of the wrong turn movies Which oh that- yeah what, that franchise just like shocks me. It's like they've done eight or nine wrong turns, and they're yeah. even rebooting the wrong
1: turn. Yeah, and it, it looks okay. The reboot looks okay, but yeah, the, those just got just beaten down so hard. I remember, I, I think I saw all of them, and they just progressively get. Uh, well, you know, I, I don't think they, they were ever intended to get any better than the first one, but uh, but yeah, they just just go downhill really quick.
0: Yeah, I like some. I like watching some of Rollins' early. Interviews. He did some very interesting things when he was starting out, and he he's very much a a expert in my opinion on the spoken word.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and, and he has a way of making it just hysterical and insightful, and like you get something out of it too. You know, like, his the, the spoken word stuff's amazing.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. He never died was the movie I was talking about.
1: It, I, I think I did see that. It, uh, that was I remember that being. I, actually, I like that one a lot. If I remember correctly, is that the one where he has tattoos? I think, Um. or I forgot. Well, let me see. Let me look that up for really the quick. I can't.
0: Was, I can't remember. It, it's the one where he's a cannibal. That's, that's. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That one. I like that one. That that one was cool. Yeah, he never died. And uh, it's him and who else is in it? Yep, uh, just recognize him. It, yeah, that that was a, that was that was a cool one. And uh, feast was another one too.
0: Yeah, and he. I mean, he's. He's done a lot. I'd like to see him get back out there and do some more in in the mainstream, but he's he's getting a little bit of age on himself. Yeah, which
1: we yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I think he's like pushing 60 or something, but yeah, he's uh he's just yeah, he like you said, he's just brilliant at the spoken word thing, man. Like he's yeah, he, And it, Dee it,
0: Snyder like I never figured out why they couldn't get a strange land 2 off the ground. I think it had to be something Either they overvaluated what the intellectual property was worth, or right. you know, I've heard rumors that some of these people can be easy to work with, and I've heard that some of the rumors that they could be hard to work with. I mean, and it just depends because you, you know you've done, probably done the same thing. You reach out to people, and, a, and an actor's agent can just kill a deal without an actor or singer even knowing.
1: Absolutely. That's why it's always better just to, just to figure out a way to get directly to the to, to the, the, the talent. Because the second manager gets involved, somebody's got to get paid. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, and even like I've had situations where I've had good money to pay talent. And, you know, you, you get the agent and the agent's like, yeah, his regular rate is this, this, and this. And I'm like, that has nothing to do – like. They overvalue the name and the talent. It's 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 ridiculous. And I've had like people call me and like, hey, how come you you didn't include me in this project? And I'm like, I throw the manager under the bus. I said, hey, I called your manager. Here's the email. You know, here's the text. Yeah, yeah, And they told me you wouldn't do it, so I figured you wouldn't do it. And they're like, no, call me direct. And I'm like, nah, not until you fire that manager, because I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not going to deal with them.
1: Yeah, because that, that manager just uh, obviously didn't deserve any cut whatsoever if, if there were one, you know. it's like a, But yeah, that's, that's always the uh, managers could be, man, it's just uh, a lot of times just an unneeded, you know, middleman, especially nowadays, you know, because back then I can picture by needing a manager, people were a lot harder to get a hold of. But uh, nowadays with social media and everything, like it's a lot easier to just have a direct connection to who you're trying to get a hold of yeah. and, uh, you know.
0: And that's one of the things too. It's as an indie filmmaker, a lot of people listening to this, they're like, "Why do?" You, when you're making indie films, it's like, "Why don't you use certain people in your films?" And it's like, when you're trying to make a non-union picture because you don't have a budget to make it a union picture, it's it's difficult to get some of these talents because a lot of them won't step out unless it's a, a, a a, a union film, and it's not that I have anything against the union. If y'all give me, you know, several million dollar budget, i would gladly do a, a union film. But when you're working on micro budgets, it's like no way I can sign the union agreement and pay this guy this.
1: Right. If yeah, you, exactly. Otherwise, there's like there's certain like parameters with like, SAG actors or something like that. So you have them in your movie uh, with with a micro budget, but they could only appear for a certain amount of seconds and not have any lines or something something goofy like that. Yeah. I, I forgot what it is. It,
0: and and I, and I can It's funny cuz you could watch an indie horror film and see a big name like Robert England on it and then Robert's only in the movie for like 5 minutes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's a, yeah, it, exactly. Exactly.
0: You know, I my the let's switch, uh, switching gears a little bit. The last podcast I did, I, I was talking about my favorite movies from 2020. What mm. was was there any horror movie that came out in 2020 that you really enjoyed? That's a good
1: question because I I'm not even sure what came out. In, I'm like stuck in 1996. Let me see what came out. <laughs> Because <laughs> let me see what came out uh, last year. I so, think yeah. that answers the question right there because <laughs> that's what I was
0: telling people is like if if I can't remember the movie, did it? It's like if a bear craps in the woods. Do you do, did it actually happen if nobody was there? Or what is it? A tree falls in the woods. It, did it did it make a noise if nobody was there? If you, if the horror movie's released and I watch it and I can't remember it, you know,
1: yeah. That kind exactly. Of goes. Absolutely. Okay, I, I see one that I loved. It was called Underwater. I thought that was amazing because I, I'm a I'm a I'm a i am ai am ai am got a huge soft spot for like underwater monster movies, and that one was terrific in my opinion. That was with uh, Kristen Stewart. I think it came out like late late 2019, but it made it on all the 2020 lists, It looks like, but yeah, Underwater was awesome. Let's see what else came out. I'm not recognizing much.
0: Um, I like the Invisible Man. That, that oh was, yeah,
1: that was good. Yeah, I saw
0: that. That was really really good. Yeah, you know, but it wasn't really horror. My favorite horror movie that came out is a movie called Spree, and ah. it, it had the kid. It was like a found footage movie, but it kind of integrated found footage with social media. It had a decent budget. Um, it was actually executive produced by Drake interesting the, the singer and I was like you know Drake if you want to do some horror movies call me because yeah we got you covered bro I mean <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome just, seriously a lot of the the horror films that were supposed to be released in 2020 got pushed back to 2021 right and and I know I mean people like me and you in the industry we know the deal these these Large studios invest tens of ten, tens of millions of dollars, sometimes hundreds of million dollars in a film, and they want to turn around and show it in theaters around the world so they can get the maximum amount of profit. Exactly. With COVID, the theaters are shut down. I know theaters here in North Carolina can operate on 30% capacity. That's not bad. So with... With thirty percent capacity, though, you're still losing seventy percent of
1: your profit. Exactly. So it's like, might so, as well just like not even uh, bother at that point, you know? Because, yeah, man, it's 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 so crazy how gonna have to. Everything is gonna change, man. Everything is changing. It's 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 so. It's, it's it's
0: so now these things are scheduled for twenty twenty one if you're fortunate enough to have had your picture in the can, because some of these studios still haven't completed production on some of these releases. Right. Um, I went, was looking through the list. Is there anything that you see that you're excited for this year? There's a
1: couple, actually I watched a couple of trailers last night and I, I'm looking at a list right now, but there's, there's one movie I saw a trailer for. It kind of reminded me of that movie rubber that came out a couple years ago, but the killer tire. And, um, this one's called Slacks, S-L-A-X-X, and it's about a killer pair of pants, and uh, it's, <laughs> it takes place in, like, a department store, and it just looks absolutely ridiculous, but it's, it's like, it's almost, like, straight-faced, you know, and it's, like, this possessed pair of pants, and so I recommend checking out that trailer, because that, that looks absolutely ridiculous, uh, Psycho, Psycho Goreman looks really cool, uh, I think that comes out in a couple weeks, and, uh, let's see, what else, uh... Oh, the Candyman remake. I'm I'm open to it. And, you know, uh, it's it's.
0: Well, you're from Chicago, and they originally filmed the original Candyman at Cabrini greens Cabrini greens yeah. It, it's it's no longer there. And for those people that don't know what Cabrini Green's is, it's a housing project that was the home of the, I think it's, uh, gangster disciples. Yeah. Uh, Larry Hoover. He was the one that founded that organization. I think. He's currently at the Supermax and uh, federal prison. Some people are kind of questioning whether or not he deserved to get the sentence that he got. But regardless of what it is, so they tore down Cabrini Greens, and now what is it like a suburb?
1: Yeah, they uh, it, yeah, they like upgraded everything over there, man. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. And uh, but yeah, that's that's some good knowledge on on Chicago gangs over there too. I used to work at all the years ago. I used to work at all the. Uh, for the bars that closed at 4 a.m. in Chicago, and so like, very very uh, privy to all the like you know the Latin kings and the and uh, the disciples and all that and everything, and and just uh, it just it was fascinating to watch them work, if you will, <laughs> and uh, as a fly on the wall bartender, and uh, in, in, in Chicago, so that was a it, it, it was definitely a character builder for sure, having to deal with all that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'm I've, I've, I've been kind of critical. I'm looking forward to the new Candyman. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. But it, it you know they describe it as a spiritual sequel to the heart, to the 1992 Candyman. Right. Okay, we know we know Tony Todd doesn't look the same as he did back in 1992. Mm-hmm. It's unreasonable to expect them to bring him back and he portrayed the exact same character that he's aged but they put together a team on this there's four I want to get this correct there's one two three writers on the script not included Um, the original person got a writing credit that originally wrote the 1992 Candyman and Carl Clive Barker got a credit for the characters but a lot of times it's a Big red flag when you see so many writers attached
1: to a script. Exactly, I wholeheartedly and it, agree.
0: And and that scares that that scares me. It's 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 like I want them to do good, but some of my studio friends and people, I know some people listen to this is like, yeah, right. But yeah, I got people from all over calling me up. The world's a smaller place, and one of my friends got to see a cut of Candyman and he said that it is not very good. Oh, man, yeah. That, and I'm like, don't tell me that. Yeah. Do not.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it, <clears throat> and they, they brought back, um, I don't think they brought back uh, Virginia Madison, but they brought back a lookalike, I think playing the same character it looks like or something. And uh, I, I, I know uh, Tony Todd's, I, I think he's, he's in it, isn't he? Yeah, Tony Todd's supposedly in it.
0: Last time I saw Tony, I tried to ask him about it, and he was like, yeah, I'm under non-disclosure, yeah. which kind of answered my quote, because I was like, Tony, are you involved with Candyman, or are you under a non-disclosure? And he's like, I'm under a non-disclosure. That confirms which it. <laughs> that confirms it to me. But I, I just, they, they put Nia DaCosta as a director. I'd never heard of her before. When I pulled her up on IMDb, she did do... Um, two episodes of a TV series as a director hmm. and a, a short movie and then one feature. And now, all of a sudden, they got her directing Candyman and Captain Marvel, too.
1: I wonder whose niece she is.
0: Uh, <laughs> she's part of Jordan Peele's new crew. Oh, gotcha. Crew, and Jordan's, like, credited with writing Candyman. But when you're... And a lot of people, when they listen to this, they're like, oh, you're hating on Jordan, you're hating on Nia. No, it's, Hollywood is very much like the mafia. Yeah. If you're in, and you you don't need really the, the, the talent, what you need is someone to vouch for you and bring you in. So they brought Jordan Peele in, so of course Jordan's bringing other people in. I just hope he doesn't do to Candyman what he did to... Uh, the Twilight Zone, you know, because yeah. he thoroughly messed up the Twilight Zone and nobody freaking talked about it It's like when something bad comes out Nobody wants to talk about it and say hey they did bad. Yeah,
1: exactly There's so much hype about that that there was like a Super Bowl commercial and there was like this big thing and then it came out And then it just disappeared. It's like he just said like the Hollywood Mafia It's just kind of like okay that didn't work out for him, but we still believe in him So we just drop bring it up this Twilight Zone thing ever again, and he never heard about it again really
0: yeah, and I'm the type of person, I criticize everybody. I don't care where mm-hmm. you came from. You know, if you're going to make product and put it out there for consumers, there are going to be people like me that's going to express an opinion on it. Exactly. That's what we do. Absolutely. Is my opinion right? Sometimes. Can I be wrong? Anybody can be wrong. I mean, opinions are like everything else. Everybody, you know, has a right to have one. Absolutely. And so, and uh,
1: speaking of Jordan Peele, I remember when he was a comedy guy, but I, uh, I watched us. And to be honest with you, I didn't really like it that much. There was something about it I just couldn't get into.
0: I, I like the the cinematography, yeah. the coloring. Yeah. I think so many times, and I'm gonna find me a colorist and have them on the show. But it's like so many times, horror people mess up the coloring. It looks they either too do drained
1: that, and like just too like uh, just yeah too blue exactly. It, but us had perfect color. The
0: actors did great. I loved how they did to the put five on it as a horror yeah, song. Yeah, I love
1: that. I really like that uh, that aspect of it. I thought that was awesome. But,
0: but he lost me with the hands across America. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, dude, no, no, no,
1: no. It's like I, I got what he was trying to say, but at the same time, it was like uh, it, it, just, it just seemed long winded, you know.
0: And and looking at the list of 2021, we kind of touched on it. Uh, earlier, but the wrong turn movie that trailer actually looked pretty good. It does,
1: yeah. And Matthew Modine's in it, and uh, yeah, it looks like they're bringing it back to be like, okay, you could take us serious again now, you know.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't appear it's funny because it doesn't appear that they have any huge names in, in the cast other than Matthew Modine, so that means they could pretty much kill anybody off at any point in the story. And it makes it harder to guess who's going to be killed first. That's a great point. Me,
1: That's a great point.
0: Because for me, when I watch a horror movie, I'm like, watch the the most expensive actor is going to get killed first. So they don't have to use it for the whole production. Period. Exactly.
1: And it's funny you bring that up because uh, they just, uh, that uh, Grizzly 2, that, that just came out. Because that got shot in like 1983 and then they couldn't finish it because uh, I forget what, what. what, But uh George Clooney, Laura Dern, and Charlie Sheen are in that movie for literally like four minutes, and uh, and and but they're like top billed. Like it's it's finally getting released, and I guess the movie's awful, but they're just banking on them those three names to try and make back whatever somebody lost like forty years ago. Now, are you a Saw fan? You know what, I, I appreciate Saw very much, and uh, i i rewatched all those like maybe like a year or two ago and I I I, I always I like Saw I I, I, I do I'm not like yeah Saw but uh I I, I always had a big soft spot for the Saw movies I always appreciated them trying to uh, outdo themselves even if the twists and turns weren't as cool as the first one but it was it was still fun to watch it unfold
0: I am extremely intrigued at Spiral which got pushed back um it says from the, the original title was spiral from the book of Saul. And you're saying you're going to bring in, uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Chris Rock in a Saul movie. I'm sold. You you know, I could see Samuel L. Jackson saying, say Saul one more time. Yeah. Oh my (laughs) God. That'd
1: be, he better say that. Say Saul one more time.
0: (laughs) So I'm excited about that movie. It, it, (laughs) <laughs> and I like Darren Lynn Bozeman. He directed it. He's—I he, think he's under underrated as a director. Oh, dude, uh, he,
1: Repo: The Genetic Opera. Love that movie.
0: I like Saint Agatha, the the nun explo, exploitation movie. I got to check that he out. Did. I haven't seen that yet. But I mean, he's always—he did saw. I mean, he did saw I mean, two and three. Yeah, and then he did saw four, and then you never know what happened he could have got he could have ticked somebody off at the studio yeah. and they didn't give him the other side. he did have a, a horrible one of the worst horror movies ever I think uh
1: Abateur, oh, a- Ab- 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 a- Abateur? I haven't seen that one either is, is, does that suck I,
0: I thought it sucked yeah. but but I mean anybody can make one sucky movie oh, yeah. I mean I've, I've been involved in some sucky movies yeah. so hey get them that happens and a lot of times I don't hold the directors responsible for it because there's so many hands in the pot when it comes to locking the final cut exactly. at a studio for a picture.
1: Absolutely, yeah. That that's why like, if I do anything, usually I'm the uh, the first one there and last one to leave. If that makes sense, you know. I just uh, I like to make sure everything is as intended because otherwise, like you said, you get you get like you know, too many cooks in the kitchen and it just comes out like this completely dismantled.
0: Now, they're saying that they're going to do another Conjuring movie. The Conjuring, the Devil made me do it. That's another one. I, I kind of like the Conjuring yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, I like them. I like them.
0: I view them as like the bubblegum heart. Like, it's your your PG rated Conjuring movies are typically movies you could use to inundate new people or, or recruit new people into the horror community because it kind of gives them a start.
1: Um, oh yeah, absolutely! Like uh, Insidious too. That probably like goes hand in hand with like the Conjuring movies. I know uh, the, the same dudes in both, I believe. And uh, what's his name? Patrick something. But uh, yeah, yeah, those PG thirteen horror movies. It's like its own like uh, you know genre. It's, yeah, yeah, You got the Conjuring, the Insidious movies, the, the Happy Death. Day. I like the Happy Death Day movies. I thought those were cool. And uh, I
0: like the first one. The second one sucked. <laughs> the second
1: one was it was it was it was like it, 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 it was so goofy, man. It was like it like a Back to the Future movie. And uh, isn't that? And that guy did just did a movie with Vince Vaughn called F- Freaky Friday. How, how is that? I never seen a trailer for that.
0: That sucks. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks. It, it, <laughs> it, he borrows too much from other movies. Uh, so, like with Happy Death Day, for me, that was the horror version of G- Groundhog um, Day. Groundhog mm-hmm. Day. So, with Freaky Friday, that was kind of like the horror version of uh, t- that Tom Hanks movie. Oh, big? Where he changed. Yeah, they've done several of those type of movies. I think they did a female version of called Freaky Friday. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it was kind of like that. It it just wasn't wasn't entertaining to me. Like those
1: body swap movies. There were a ton of those in like the the, the late '80s. It was like a Dream of a Little Dream, and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know did, did, did stuff like that. And uh, 18 Again with uh, was it George Burns? And uh, yeah, so I guess they were trying to bring back the body swap movies, and it didn't work out so well. <laughs>
0: Now, what do you think about? I know one of the other ones that you can't be ignored in 2021 even though I kind of want to ignore it is Halloween kills, the Blumhouses. Yeah. Part 2. What do you what do you what do you think of, of what did you think of the first one and what do you think of well, this coming out? Well, to
1: be honest, uh, the 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 first one I, I I liked it. I I thought it was, you know, but then again, I, I the whole canceling out everything else and just kind of restarting over again you know instead of like uh, trying to correct it it just kind of like starting over like okay and movies like that they gotta come with a disclaimer like, just so you know just ignore every sing- single sequel afterwards because this one takes place right after the first next thing you know they're gonna be coming out with sequels but like you know just so you know this takes place after the third movie of the original trilogy, you know and um but I liked it though I uh I, I, I thought it was cool. some moments were kind of meh but uh, but I, I thought it was uh, it, it was good. I, I got a feeling that the second one. I, I remember reading. There's a lot of conflicting statements as for how the second one is. But uh, but I got a feeling that that one might it, it might fall on its face. I don't know. What what do you think?
0: I'm thinking, well, they pushed this one back, and then Blumhouse, you know, Jason can be arrogant a little bit yeah. in the way he addresses horror fans. I feel like a lot of times Blumhouse doesn't respect us horror fans. Yeah. And, you know, if you're not going to respect me, I'm going to call you out. I don't give a damn. Yeah. And, and what's right is right. You, with the original Halloween, they had a great script. Uh, from Marcus Dunstan, who wrote Saul, did the collection movies, and then they butchered it when they gave it to David Gordon Green, and uh, what's the guy with the the mullet, Danny McBride? Danny McBride, yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, if I was Jason, and I had all this money to make movies, I would've took David Gordon Green and Danny McBride and did like a super stoner version of The Princess Bride too, (laughs) instead of Halloween. I
1: wholeheartedly agree. It's like it's like but they, it's like they were trying to get horror credit or something.
0: Yeah, and I get it that comedy people can do horror, yeah. but make them prove themselves first. Don't just give somebody a Halloween, a Candyman, a Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, th- those shirt. are
1: easy because it's already there. You know, you just got to expand upon the mythology. Give them, uh, you know, see what they could come up with that's fresh and new. Really, really, you know, try and break them in that way.
0: But I think they hurt themselves because I am definitely not going to see Halloween kills in the theater if I do see it in the theater I'm not going to pay for it (laughs) because I'm not going to financially support this film because they didn't I feel that Blumhouse abandoned us and they they if they to dropped this during the pandemic on Halloween everybody would have paid 1999 and rented it and they would have they would have made money
1: absolutely but, it's like why hold out on something that isn't even for sure I mean it could be until 2022 uh, is that one it's, it's coming out is it coming out 2022 or 2021 this
0: is supposed to come out on, in October of 2021 and then the next one Halloween, ends, Halloween ends. is gonna come out but I have some theories on this they filmed it in Wilmington North Carolina oh. I had some buddies go out there take a look at the set and everything mm-hmm. basically even though they ignored all the other ones, they, it's going to essentially be what part two was of the original Halloween. They're going to be at the hospital. Nah. And I I believe, which, you know, with all the social, political stuff, and I'm not a political or social justice type of same person. Same here, same here. You know, I'm a, I'm a horror guy, so but I see the political commentary hitting the horror community. And I'm going to go ahead and call it I think that Michael Myers is gonna get killed, and end up the 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 one of the Michael Myers is gonna be either the daughter or granddaughter. Everybody's gonna hate that. They're gonna do like a
1: Thorn cult type of thing. I you know what? I have a soft spot for Part Six. I I, I always have had a for Crystal Michael Myers. I always had a soft spot for that one. So, but but yeah, the Thorn cult thing in this new one though, it's. I I don't know, man. I, I think I think everybody's going to hate that if they try and pass the Michael Myers torch onto onto somebody else. It'd be like Friday the Thirteenth Part Five, you know.
0: It what well, what they're going to do is they're going to attack us and be like, okay, so you don't think there could be a female Michael uh. Myers, you know? And and don't I'm I'm like anybody could be a killer. Be, the FBI messed up for so long by racially profiling serial killers that one of the most prolific serial killers in America that just died uh, his first name was Samuel he was an inmate in California killed over 90 people he went undetected until he confessed wow so and that was because police believed that Africans African Americans weren't serial killer material that most serial kill people killed within their own race yeah um which was, which was kind of kind of crazy, but I think they're gonna they're gonna do that. It's gonna be either be the daughter or the granddaughter that's gonna be influenced or possessed by Michael Myers. They're not gonna call it Thorn Colt. There's a picture that they've released where Michael Myers is short, and I'm 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 convinced that that's. That, that's the direction that they're going oh, with. Oh,
1: man. I remember Friday the 13th Part 4, uh, Final Chapter, that, that's how that one ended. I remember, remember Corey Feldman looked at the screen mm-hmm. and it was like, well, is he going to be the new Jason? You know? And uh, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, give a... And I could be wrong, you know? Oh, no, yeah, yeah. But I, I'd say just give a, I mean, And that's, uh, that's messed up because it's like forcing the, the horror fans to have that conversation. And, and, uh, and, uh, and to come off a certain way, you know, and it's like, sure, okay, yeah, there could be a female Michael Myers. You have to be open to that because otherwise uh, someone's going to label you as being anti this, that, or the other, you know. It, it gets so weird and political nowadays, but I'd say give a, g- g- give a female her own uh, slasher series, you know, give that a shot. I mean, you know, I, I, I think that could be cool. Like, like uh, Ginger Snaps was awesome, you know, like uh, yeah. there should be more of those for sure. American Mary, I'd love to see the yeah. Soska
0: sisters direct more stuff, but it seems like a lot of the studios ignore them. I I, I've, I don't know why, they do some very good work on the budgets that they get, um, but I love their movie American Mary.
1: I haven't and seen if, that, I I need to check that out.
0: Yeah, you, you I think you would definitely like that, but I think Jamie, Lori, they lost me when they said we're going to ignore all the other parts of Halloween. Yeah we're gonna, Lori Strobe is not Michael Myers' sister. If Lori's not Michael Myers' sister, then when why is Michael
1: coming back to Haddonfield? Exactly, and it's like they're trying to, uh, you know, what made we, we, the first movie kind of magical was that there was no rhyme or reason, and there was no explanation, really. That's like he was just, uh, he just kind of, kind of like The Strangers, because she was home. He was kind of just directed toward that, and she lived in the wrong house, you know? and. Uh, and then, and then the second, one, I love Halloween too. The original one, you know that uh, you know that's awesome. I thought it was cool how they built upon the mythology and, and made them brother and sister. But um, but yeah, I mean just uh, just ignoring that, it's just kind of goofy because I know there was a deleted scene from H two O where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is a teacher, and, uh, and then uh, she gets reminded of her past events by one of her students reading a paper. And that one scene ties together all the movies and doesn't ignore any of the sequels. Because Halloween H 20 I believe, ignored uh, four, five, and six, and uh, and three, obviously. But, um, but yeah, I, I do remember reading somewhere that there was this one scene in H two O that that uh, made those canon, made those a part of the whole mythology. With this one scene, with this student reading this uh, paper she wrote about how. The, the history of Michael Myers and all that. And um, he talks about the Thorn cult and, uh, and uh, it was Jamie and all that and everything. And, and so I thought that I, I think that would have been cool if they left that in there. But, uh, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, that, that's just trying to tie it all together and actually putting forth the effort versus just kind of starting all over again like they did with the last one, you know.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I've been extremely critical of, and it's going to, and I shouldn't even say it like this, but it's going to come out. But because I'm a Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan, I'm going to buy it. I'm not going to financially support it, but I'm going to, I'm going to get it. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just put it that way. Oh, yeah. And, and, and they, I love that franchise, but they've consistently proven like Millennium Films when they did, uh, when they did Leatherface and tried to do the
1: prequel. Oh, yeah. Did it do they prequels? Filmed, yeah.
0: Yeah. It it, 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 they, they filmed that in Bulgaria, and, and cheap. it didn't. Yeah, yeah it, it didn't work. So now you have Bad Umbre and Legendary Entertainment coming out and doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the, the IMDb, which a lot of people was going to be like, oh, they're not a good source of information because they're not always, but sometimes they do. Uh, they're saying that it's just another sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: Oh, like the last one, the, the 3D one.
0: Right. But this one, when I read the detailed plot summary that was put in, it says this is a spiritual sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise takes place 47 years later. Uh, Melody is a 25-year-old San Francisco moneymaker who drags her her teenage sister with her to Texas on a business trip out of fear of leaving her alone in the city, and it says the younger sister Drema is a amateur photographer who is wheelchair bound, and it's not long until they're fighting for their lives against a sixty year old leatherface. Oh God!
1: And and then the whole Franklin callback from the girl, the, the wheelchair thing, you know. So uh, uh, that's that, that that that's well, that's going to be interesting.
0: <laughs> it, it's going to suck. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is what. Ticks ticks me off. I mean, they've been through several directors. Yeah, the director from uh, Bloodfest, or the cinematographer from Bloodfest, is directing this. Hmm. A uh, guy I've never really heard of, David Blue Garcia. Um, he's out of Austin, Texas. They. I mean, I think he's like the third director to come on the project. oh And it's that's in trouble. It's 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 a trouble when you when you reach down to barrel and you get DPS and give them directors jobs. Yeah, and legendary. I know some of you guys from Legendary and Bad Ombre is listening. I know some of y'all talk crap about me. I don't really give a shit, <laughs> but you're screwing up. This would be so easy to do, and we'll probably. Go, I'm going to probably do a whole podcast on this. But you got the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You're going to do a sequel okay, don't give me no woke story about two women trying to kill a 60-year-old Leatherface. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. I mean, and to be honest with you, I love Texas Chainsaw of Massacre 2 and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. I love those movies. You know, they're batshit crazy, but I love them. And, uh and, but then ever since then, I mean, but there's no continuity with any of them, you know, and to keep on just trying to, redo it oh, oh, trying to make that perfect sequel you know like uh, what, the 3D one I thought the 3D one was oh, it was it's fun you know it had a lot of problems with it you know especially with the age of the main uh abroad she was like uh she should have been in her 40s considering the first one took place in what 73, 74 and yep. she was supposed to be like the yeah but I thought it was cool they brought back uh, like Gunnar Hansen and, and everybody that Bill Moseley play uh uh, was it the 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 main Sawyer dude? And uh, but yeah, I thought that one was it was a bit goofy. I know Adam Marcus wrote it. Who did Jason Goes to Hell? I love Jason Goes to Hell, but, uh, but yeah.
0: Well, they did. They're filming this one in Bulgaria. Oh, the,
1: uh, this one, uh, the, the the new one,
0: a new one. The new Texas Chainsaw Massacre is being filmed in Bulgaria, which is a slap in the face to freaking the state of Texas. Yeah, and and the the and, the, the,
1: the prequel with uh, Stephen Dorff that was in uh, Bulgaria too, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, see, Millennium Studios owns a. They own a studio in Bulgaria, unless they've sold it since the last time I've dealt with them, and Millennium does everything on the cheap on there. They don't want to hire American film. You know, they don't want to pay LA prices, so they go. They go to Bulgaria and get cheaper editors, cheaper colorists, cheaper everything, and. They, I think, they end up with stuff that is is does not reside with us culturally. I mean, it's it. It's would you take something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre? It should be filmed in Texas, yeah. and you have Bill Moseley walking around here in horror conventions and starring in other movies. He could be called back and bring Chop Top back. Absolutely. And then you have the original hitchhiker, who is out there, who could be. Um, in the film yeah absolutely so it's like why not take Bill Mosley and the original hitchhiker put them together as twins cause and it and it's so much potential with just doing that if they brought Chop Top they would just like break the internet if Chop Top would come
1: back. Absolutely, and I know there's an unreleased chainsaw sequel called uh, All American Massacre. Toby Hooper's son directed it, and uh, yeah. and it, it, I guess it, it, it never came out, but it, but it exists, and it, I think they just probably have to they, they have to finish something on it. But um, that was like in the like the late '90s, I think. But it, I know there's a trailer out there, and it looks super low budget, but it looks it looks awesome. It's about like but mostly there there is Chop Top. And he's like uh, a lot of the movies is him being interviewed about uh, the, the history of the, the the Sawyer family and all that, and it uh, and it it just it looked like it would have been like the perfect like film for the fans uh, for Chainsaw.
0: Yeah, and Ed Neal, he he is he's the original hitchhiker. He looks great. I just saw him in Arizona, talked to him for a while. I mean, he would be great, put him and Bill Mosley together as, as put, I'd, you know, because he got ran over at the end of the first film, his character did. So put him with some weird, like 1950s, 70s metal braces yes, on his legs. Exactly. You, you know, but they're not going to do it. And, 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 and to me, when someone like Legendary does this to the horror community, it's a sign of disrespect. Yeah. It's like you don't even know... you. How do you even think you know the horror genre when you go into to Bulgaria to film the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah, it, a, and yeah. I have I have nothing against the people of Bulgaria. I've been to Bulgaria. It's a beautiful country. But it's not where I would set the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, if you want to do Texas Chainsaw Massacre Bulgaria, then that would be a shoot-off of the franchise that I think could
1: do really well. Yeah,
0: you know? exactly. And,
1: and a lot of these companies, it's like <clears throat> they see what they... What they have options on property wise, and uh, and they're like, okay, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We know if we just throw in maybe like a million or two, we'll make X amount back. So yeah, I think that'd be a good, you know, moneymaker for the year. So just slap one together and throw it out there, and you know, yep. it's it's like that. It's, that's how a lot of that stuff goes. Like, uh, uh, who even owns uh, Chainsaw? Is it still Kim Hinkle or uh, yeah. yeah, and. Uh, because the-
0: Millennium had the rights, and then when Millennium did such a bad job and the film didn't make any money, I think the, guy, the, the the people over at Millennium was like, let's move on to the next one. I mean, they had this bad habit over there at a lot of these bigger studios is, you know, one picture can make them a whole profit for the year so they don't care if they screw up a a film that, that is beloved by the whole horror community. Right,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I thought that the the, the prequel was just not good. Mm-mm. At all.
0: And and then they're remaking The Exorcist oh. or doing a se- a, the sequel to The Exorcist. That, that should be
1: untouched. That and, like, Jaws, man. You, you can't touch those, you know? Those are just perfect movies, you know? But for me,
0: you know, I'm I am looking for spiral. Looking, you know, for forward to spiral coming out. Yeah, me too. Uh, the Forever Purge, the Conjuring, and Wrong Turn. I've heard some rumors. Did
1: you, were you a fan of Terrifier? I I haven't seen that one. I, I'm still stuck in 1996. But I I gotta check out Terrifier.
0: It was okay. I mean, the the character looks great, but it's not really a situation where it's the best horror movie ever, but it's definitely worth watching. I love Art the Clown, but they're supposed to do a Terrifier 2 this year on the indie level. That's one of the ones. Now, you have a film that's coming out this year, Dwellers, correct? Yep, Dwellers, yep. Tell, tell me a little bit about that, or tell everybody else, because I, I know about it, and I'm excited about
1: it. Oh, thanks, man. Well, it, uh, actually, truth be told, it started out as a uh, remake of uh, Chud, and um, this was maybe like was seven, eight years ago, and uh, me and the guy that wrote Chud, Shep Abbott, we just kind of connected. I've always been a huge fan of Chud. I love Chud. And uh, reached out to him, and I was like, you know, I just threw some ideas around. I was like, what about, like, a found footage remake of Chud? It'd be like a, like a $0 budget, but with, like, a cool story, you know, just make it work. I mean, anything would be better than the sequel, Bud to Chud, you know? And uh, and he was like, I, he was into it. And then so we were trying to figure out, like, how to get the rights for it, and it's just one of those things where, uh, like you were saying with, um, I forget what movie, but over-evaluating the property, like strange land, you know? where they think it's worth a lot more than what it's actually worth. So, and, and that's the case with Chud, too, because uh, the people that own the rest to Chud, I forget who it is, but, uh, but yeah, they think it's worth a lot more than what it actually is. And uh, then it turns out that uh, Shep only owned the, uh, the, the the musical rights to Chud, uh, believe it or not, which was a, a fun, like, twist right there. And and it turns out he's actually writing a Chud musical with Daniel Stern, uh who was in chud so uh, hopefully that happens at some point but uh but so i just i at that point i wrote out like a treatment for it and everything and uh it's kind of just put it off to the side and then um when i got to start collaborating with ellipson and stuff he's got ellipson coffee he's got the, the the record label he's he's got all kinds of stuff and i was like well, what about ellipson films and i hit him with the idea about how I had this treatment and uh and we could totally just turn it into something on its own. So instead of cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers, we just call it dwellers. And uh, and and so um, I, I, I wrote the script, which probably like 90% of it changed uh, as we were shooting it because just to keep it organic, you know, because it's a found footage movie, and what do you got to force a moment when you're shooting like a found footage movie? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know, just let it organically happen. And it, and it and, uh, ended up with a lot of footage, and uh, yeah, it's, it's about, uh, I, I, I play myself and uh, along with James L. Edwards and Doug Esper, they, they're my documentarian crew. And uh, I, I, I my character gets hired by David Ellison, who plays himself, to produce a documentary on the missing homeless on this uh, certain area in Ohio uh, in order for his name, the Wall Street Journalist, like a philanthropist kind of thing, you know. And... Um, and so he gives me all this money to do it, and I, just being the slacker that I am, just kind of put it up, kept him putting it off to the side until he finally calls me out on it, and uh, threatens to take me to court for breach of contract, and uh, tarnish my reputation if I don't actually produce something that he could get out there as, as a documentary. So I cobbled together James and Doug, and we started interviewing the homeless. And um, it turns out that the missing homeless were actually uh, relocating underground. Uh, and, uh, and that those homeless, the missing, then those missing homeless started going missing, and uh, nobody would take it serious. The press, local authorities, everybody just kind of overlooks looks it like crazy, and so we start digging deeper and digging deeper. Then eventually we end up in the sewers, and then uh, and then monsters happen. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> that's a, I mean that's
0: that's interesting to me. I'm a. I, I, feel like found footage is one of those things either you're a huge fan of it or you're not like i know some people that will watch every found footage movie Mm -hmm. and then i know some people that won't watch a found footage movie regardless which i think they're missing out um by eliminating that because you have some tremendous found footage movies out there my favorite is the poughkeepsie tapes
1: i've heard amazing things about that and i've yet to see it i need to check that one there's so many movies i gotta check out
0: if you're like if you if you're like me, it seems like every a lot of people are like with music, I don't listen to music as much as some people do because I'm always editing or watching a movie. Right. so it's like you're the same way with me. They're like, oh you know when you're busy making stuff, you don't watch as much stuff yeah, as, that's true as, I, 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 I don't music. feel so bad anymore
1: <laughs>
0: and i I look at with found footage I think it works when you have indie people doing it oh
1: yeah exactly like everybody in this uh, in Dwellers is just a is, is, are, are friends of mine and there's some cool cameos too like Jeff Hatrix from Mushroom Head and it wasn't really a cameo we just needed somebody to be a homeless guy and he was he, he was there and he did an incredible job and, um, and, and and the way it's it unfolds too it's all from the perspective of the documentary camera and uh, and it's also the the, the subplot is uh, interrogation uh, footage from uh with uh, uh, Doug, they're uh, the other member of the crew, and but the, the way the movie unfolds though is really cool, and I think I think you're going to really get a big kick out of it because it's uh, it's it's good. I'm you know just going through it with a fine tooth comb to make sure it's as tight as humanly possible, and I think it's going to come ac- I think it's going to come across uh, pretty well. I think it's, I think people are going to like it.
0: Yeah, and it's one of the situations when it comes to found footage, a lot of times people don't appreciate it as much when it comes out as as they do a year or two later on. I remember when uh, Willow Creek came out, that was a very solid found footage movie that was kind of like a Bigfoot type of found footage movie. Oh, cool. And people were like, "Yeah," but now it's like a cult classic, especially amongst Bigfoot fans. Right. It, It... it's good. The thing that bothers me about found footage films is when a studio tries to do found footage.
1: Uh, uh, oh, yeah, when they try and actually... Uh, it's supposed to be found footage, but the footage actually looks incredible.
0: Yeah, it's it's it, it, it doesn't... I think there's rules to found footage. One of the rules is, one, why are people making a movie? Yeah, dwellers. You said you know they're making a documentary, so that's why they're filming. Oh yeah, frantically um, filming and, too
1: because because uh, the, the Drew character has to get the get get the shit done, and so it's just kind of like oh, let's get, let's let's do it. And we got to keep on shooting. we gotta, yeah, that's the thing too. Always find a reason to keep on shooting because when you're in a dangerous situation, why would they keep on shooting? And that was one of the first questions I addressed, and and and, and there's a good reason for it because. Um, the the the, the uh, my character he's the one shooting and he has to shoot it otherwise he's gonna get uh, get uh, uh, taken to court and all that and he's got you know everything's on the line and so and but throughout the movie he just kind of starts losing it a little bit and he's like we got to keep on shooting we got to keep on we got to keep it going we gotta keep. and plus another reason too is because we're in the sewer the only light that we have is on the camera and so might as well wow. keep the camera rolling so that bypasses that whole thing why you why, why 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 is it why is the camera still even on you know
0: yeah and i i'm i'm, I'm excited about it you're gonna be premiering this at the mad monster uh party in concord north carolina next month which i'm excited for that i'm planning on being there and and, and watching it and you said david is i know he's gonna be oh, there oh yeah, yeah
1: it's gonna be a fun man i can't wait it's it's gonna be it's it's, it's gonna be awesome and would you also have a book coming out? Oh, yeah, yeah, it came out a couple of weeks ago. It's called Rockstar Hitman. Uh, me and uh, David Ellison and I uh, wrote it together. It's about a, it, it's like it's like uh, it's like a fictional autobiography of this um, uh, up and uh, this uh, musician who moved out to LA kind of like David Ellison's backstory. He moves out to L.A. to become a rock star, becomes a rock star. But in the book, it's an exchange for uh, the, 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 the the management company that sides him. Who also owns a record label is also a, uh, a, a crime organization. That uh, if you read the so and they kind of groom him to become this uh, hitman, and he's got a and it's and it's really it's not pretentious at all. It's more so if like Bruce Campbell was the main character, and he and the, the main character is kind of this. Fumbles his way through the whole thing, and and it's really, really, really gory too. It's really, it's 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 pretty messed up. But uh, yeah, so in exchange for fortune and fame, this uh, this uh, up, up and coming rock star has to uh, do hits, and uh, and all the touring and the routing is uh, based around the the the, the, the hits he's got to do.
0: That's that's it. Kind of sounds like a Guy Ritchie movie to me. Right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I could I could see Guy Ritchie coming on and directed this. That would be that that would make make pretty good i i i still enjoy reading a, a lot so i'm gonna definitely have to check that out yeah
1: man I make sure you get a copy it's it's a quick read too it's uh you, it, most people have been just flying through it in about a day and then david and i are actually working on the second one we're almost done with that one too and we got we got a couple ideas for to keep it going If people still like them so far it's been getting some really really good reviews and and when you're so uh, deep in uh, creating this stuff it's like it, it, it almost stops making sense to you, and like—and then you just stop and think, it's like, is it going to make sense to everybody else, you know? And uh, fortunately, it came out, and, and people seem to get it. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a fun, uh, gory, kind of kind of read. It's almost like it's almost like a comic book, you know. It's, it's just a, a fun and kind of goofy.
0: Now, what would you say is your favorite horror movies of all time? Man. That's a good one. I always love. Are your top few? Because me, I can never just say one.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. Well, what's your go to that
0: you like to watch?
1: I love Day of the Dead, the original. Love that one. Just the whole tone of it and everything. It's just so, just, ugh. And uh, Chud. Chud, I've always had the biggest soft spot for Chud. I don't know why, but I, I love Chud. Um, uh, the Exorcist the still scares the crap out of me. Uh, and the the, the exorcist too scares the crap out of me for different reasons, just because it exists. And uh,
0: (laughs) I got drunk one night up in DC and went to the exorcist stairs. Oh, and that place, especially when you're intoxicated at three o'clock in the morning, just isn't the most friendly and (laughs) spirited place to be. That's awesome, (laughs) that is so cool. Oh man would you say would you say like you know your whole filming the documentary of Bane Tango was like meeting people at bars and Yeah. They see it, you have a camera. It's so many different things that can happen. That's what happened with us. They're like, Hey, you know the exorcist stairs isn't but just a few blocks from here and I'm like, All right, I'll go to the exorcist stairs, you know.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. That is so cool. Oh man, I oh, that'd be so much fun to go check out. Holy crap. I I'm guessing it's still there, right? Yeah, it's in
0: dc but i'm i'm holding off any trips to yeah, dc for the yeah. next few months yeah that's
1: probably probably for the best probably for the actually,
0: best actually i'm probably going to stay in north carolina for at least 3 or 4 more months yeah before i travel out anymore i hear you um is there is there any it, on the music side of things, do you have any upcoming albums
1: coming out? Yeah, actually I got two. Uh, one is called, uh, from this uh, project called Zen from Mars. Uh, it, it's, it took five years to get mixed and finished, but it's uh, myself, uh, Stephen Charro from Kick Tracy on vocals, Bryn Arns from Flip on, on uh, 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 guitar, myself on guitar, Chip's Enough from Enough's Enough on bass, and Mike Heller from Fear Factory and Raven on drums. And uh, so that's, finally that'll be done at some point very, very, very soon. There's that, and then there's um, a band uh, we just put together called uh, Lucid. And uh, that's myself, David Ellison from uh, uh, Megadeth, uh, Mike Heller from Fear Factory and Raven, and Zen for Mars, and Vin Dombrowski from the band Sponge, who uh, had a lot of hits in the 90s and all that. And uh, we all actually... uh, it started off as like a kind of like a soundtrack to the book we just put out like this was like back in like april or may we we're like let's put out a couple of songs and uh we just started throwing them together next we know we had a whole album it's like you know what we get this can probably let's have it kind of stand on its own and loosely tie into the book now so that's that's that album's done being mixed we're working on the artwork right now and we're calling it uh, breach boy <laughs> and uh th- th- there's a story behind that but um yeah, the, the band's called Lucid. The album's called Breach Boy. And that'll, we're shopping it around right now. So that'll probably pop up soon. And it's, uh, it's a, it's, uh, it's like Hell on Wheels, that album, man. It's, uh, it's really, it's, parts of it are really heavy and parts of it are just really pretty. A lot of, there's actually like real strings on, uh, one, one of the tunes. So, uh, that, that they'll probably be hearing stuff from that, uh, very soon. And so I'm really excited about that.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I miss is, is concerts. Um, I'm hoping that they bring those back. What's you know? You're probably one of the first persons I've sat down and like talked with in a while that has you know lived that lifestyle, that rock star lifestyle, been on stage with at concerts with twenty, thirty thousand people watching you. What is that like?
1: It's like a blur, man. And that was that was back when I. Well, that was mainly with Bang Tango, and the, the, we'd play a lot of festivals and all that. So, like, we do like um, like the M3s and like the Rocklahomas and stuff like that. And there was always like a ridiculous amount of people. And that was back uh, back when I drank a lot. I, I, I don't drink anymore, but because uh, of health reasons. But um, and I was always uh, so it was almost like a blur. It was like you just kind of look out, and you're like, oh well, look, that's a lot of people. And then, but then, <laughs> and then it just it goes by in like a flash. And next thing you know, you're just like. All right, and that was fun. And then, uh, but, the, and another thing too, it's like those big festivals we would do, we'd do shows around them, and it, it, it'd always be in front of like 20 people at like a dive bar, you know? And uh, it, it's just the weirdest thing, because Bang like Tango, the they have a lot of value at these festivals, but then when it comes to like playing shows around that, it was like, oh, Bang Tango, all right, we'll destroy you at, the, you know, Davies Gin House, and, uh, you know, you can move over the pool table and play a couple songs, you know, and we'll give you this much money
0: no where are the parties <laughs> with these things is it backstage mainly
1: well yeah it's like a, I, I never really experienced too much of the, the, the there's just a lot of drinking like I, I never seen any like drugs or anything like that but there's a lot of drink i remember uh when we did rocklahoma we uh is we were our backstage or we, we, we were we played the main stage with uh Megadeth, uh, Rob Zombie, Disturbed and all that. And I remember watching, seeing Rob Zombie walk around and he's a little guy and he was there with Sherry and then they were holding hands and it looked like uh, he was like, you know, walking around with their nine-year-old son or something because he's such a little guy and she's so tall and it was so cute. But um, but yeah, I, I never really seen uh, much of that but usually it's just kind of like a social thing and, uh, and, uh, and they always have like, Free beer, I remember that, and that 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 was always a fun problem. To so it's have. like
0: twenty dollar beer when you go attend it now. Yeah, <laughs> if you attend one, like we went to see Slipknot at Virginia Beach, and it was like eighteen bucks for a can of beer, and I'm like, and they had to pour it in a cup. It, it, That's it, ridiculous. I, mean, I remember. It
1: t- I, I remember playing that festival called the Cat House Live Festival in 2015, and um, there was actually a a bar backstage. That they were selling drinks to, to the musicians and all that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, same thing. It's like if you wanted a Corona, it was like $24. And I was like, nope, not drinking today. <laughs> mm.
0: it, it's it's something. I hope they bring back. I got tickets to go see Rammstein. Oh, nice. You're going to love that, uh, man.
1: They put on a – oh, man. You're going to walk out of there without any eyebrows because the, the flames get so close to you.
0: Yeah, that's in Philly, so it'll be interesting if they actually have that. I think it's in August. I was also, uh, you know, I, I saw Manson recently. Nice. I mean, before the pandemic, and Snoop Dogg, and those were fun. I think horror and heavy metal and hip hop kind of all go in together.
1: Yeah, ab- it, absolutely. Especially with like a like a twisted and ICP and all that, they do that kind of like the horror rap thing and. Uh, and uh, and blaze and everything, but yeah, and uh, even even like uh, you know Snoop, you know, and and all that too a, a little bit, but yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree, uh, uh, big time, because it's just uh, that the attitude and the imagery, you know.
0: Yeah, and you know, hopefully we'll get twenty twenty one in addition to these horror movies. I mean, I do hope that the theaters get over back up, and I do hope that. Uh, Concerts get open back up because music and movies and books are are all a great part of everyone's life. And not having those available, you know, if 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 an artist cannot make money in today's environment, then they can't continue to create art.
1: No, exactly. I I, I absolutely because it's like right now it's just almost just kind of doing it as like a novelty, you know.
0: Yeah, but. I appreciate you joining us on here today. I mean, it's been a great time. Gotta have you on our live feed show, too. Sure. And I look forward to seeing you next month at the Mad Monster Show. Yeah,
1: me too. I but, can't wait to see you, man. It's, it's gonna be a blast. It'd be fun to, to actually get out of the house a little bit, too, and come hang out with some cool people.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great time. North Carolina, a lot of people think wrong turn with some of the North Carolina yeah. stuff, but you know, I live in the middle of nowhere on a, on a farm, but we do have some some big cities, you know, Charlotte, Concord, known for NASCAR around in that yeah. area. I, I, prefer, I prefer
1: the farmscape uh, to be honest with you. I, I like the quiet. Uh, so that's awesome that you live on the farm.
0: Yeah, uh, I had a food delivery driver come the other night and he's like, this place could be in a horror movie. I was like, man, my life is <laughs> yeah, a horror it's movie. Like fu- <laughs> it's like funny you mentioned that. <laughs> then you, you
1: invite him inside and like, you know, lock the door. <laughs> Yeah,
0: they look at some of my stuff in here and be like, what in the heck did I get myself into? (laughs) That's awesome. It is what it is. I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you joining us. Anytime. Everybody, you guys take care. Thanks for listening to the second episode of the Mad Monster Podcast. Sergeant Horror and Drew, we're out. See you guys. Thank you so much.